Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I, I do thank you just for, you know, speaking to us. God, we, we, we do. We take it so for granted. You know, as, as Ashley reminded us that we have been given the Holy Spirit. When we know you as our Lord and Savior, when we are a child of yours, you give us a, a helpmate, a comforter to come inside of us and to help us on this side of eternity because, you, Father, you knew it was going to be wrong. And you've given us hope and you've given us purpose and direction. And, and God, you know, through this whole thing, we're, we're, we're battling our own sin nature and Satan and the world. And I'm just, I am just so thankful, Father, that you are stronger than any of those things. And I pray that you will, you will help us to teach us, Father, to rest in you. What a powerful statement that, you know, you know where we left ourselves. And you pick us up from there. I pray, God, that you will continue to work this in our heart. You know, until we stand before you, Father, and, and we see you in all the perfection, and Father, we have those new bodies and the new hearts, and we are cleansed and perfect before you. God, until that time, we know where it's going to be a struggle. I just thank you. I just thank you for coming alongside of us on this side of eternity to help us. Look forward, Father, to what you have for us in your word and just the challenges we kind of organize where we're going for the next six weeks and uh, I look forward to you continuing to work Lord as only you can in thy name we pray amen well for the next six weeks and we, we have been planning this for some time and kind of announcing what was coming here but for the next six weeks we're going to embark on a, a witness focus on a focus of of sharing Jesus Christ with other people. You sharing Jesus Christ. Not necessarily us, you know, bringing it to church and what we're going to do here, but personal evangelism. Personally sharing our faith. And, and I tell you right up front, the goal of this is to give us, number one, a renewed passion for telling other people about Jesus Christ. And then secondly, to, to, to remind us that evangelism, personal evangelism, is supposed to be natural. It's supposed to be genuine. And most importantly, it is supposed to be God-dependent. It's not about a formula. It's not about, you know, checking off the boxes or doing it a certain way. It is supposed to be the most natural thing in the world for me to share my testimony, for me to share my Christ with those people that I come in contact with. So, for the next six weeks, we're going to be, you know, looking at this in the morning messages. And at the same time that we're going to be looking at this in the morning messages, uh, in the Bible study that is going to be meeting in Fellowship Hall from 6 until 7.30, we are going to be looking at the Bible study activating God's space. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that, you know, throughout the messages we kind of position ourselves for the next week's hears. Um, if you remember, this isn't just, uh, okay, what do we want to do here for the next weeks, you know, the next few months. Uh, we've kind of had a, 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 a purpose and a goal as we have been working at here. If you remember last summer, we combined all the adult Bible fellowships, uh, brought the high schoolers up here with us, and we focused on evangelism and sharing our personal testimony. Um, and then as we went into the fall, we had our Missions Awareness Month, and our challenge for that month was to reach to the uttermost parts of the earth 
to reach places where we can't touch, that we don't go to reach people for Christ, but also to challenge ourselves with the same mission field that each and every one of us has day to day. You know, we talk about, you know, reaching our Jerusalem and Judea and, and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, that Jerusalem, it's talking about our backyards, people we come in contact with at work, where we shop, go to school, where you get gas every week, the neighborhood you live in, maybe the gym you go to work out in, you know, the sports that you are involved, whatever clubs you're involved in, using all these places, these are our Jerusalems. It's our, it's our backyard that we are called to evangelize and share Christ with. Well, the final Sunday, if you remember, the final Sunday of our Missions Awareness Month, we had a special speaker. His name was Doug Pollock. He came. He's the author of the book, God Space. And he spoke to us. He was very well received here as he spoke to us. And then he met with the leadership after church during a lunchtime and challenged us a little bit further. Uh, we gave everybody, all, every family in the church, we got him a copy of the book, God Space. Well, about a month ago, I had a chance uh, to meet one-on-one -on -one with Doug Pollock, went down and, and, and had lunch with him, met with him for two hours. And very refreshing. You know, talked about, you know, this, this upcoming focus that we're going to be have on, having. Very challenging, and, and it, was, it was a wonderful time. And what I'm going to do throughout this message, um, I'm going to be giving you a few of the bullet points, things that we talked about, you know, things of our time together, that kind of will help us understand what this activating God space is. And again, I want to I really whet your appetite. And I want to challenge you, if you can, to be the, the Bible study here tonight. You know, it's going to be combining with the messages and, and kind of taking it a step further in the Bible study, you know, getting, getting us time to interact and, and, and actually challenging us not to just talk about it, but to go do it. And, and so I really would challenge you to do that. And that, that's kind of what this, this service is all about here today. Um, I want to start with a quote from uh, Doug Pollock's book. He says this. He says, if you're looking for a formula, a method, or the latest evangelistic roadmap, you won't find it here. I've been there and I've done that. Methods and roadmaps, while useful for a while, eventually become obsolete as times change. If you want to stay spiritually relevant, then you must focus on that which is eternal, God's timeless truths. They never change. You know, as I read that book, as I, as I met with Doug, and I, I remember driving back, it was about an hour, hour and a half drive down to meet with him. I remember thinking to myself, why is evangelism so difficult? Why is this something that I think we all would probably say we, we, we struggle to one degree or another? Why is that? Why is it, you know, sharing our faith awkward? Why is sharing our faith sometimes offensive to other people? I mean, think about, think about your salvation. My salvation, it is so personal. I mean, it is so intimate, my relationship with God and what he did with me in, in saving me. There was, there is so much joy involved with this. I, I remember when I came to Christ, still to this day, you know, 15 years ago. I mean, we're talking 40, 43 years ago. I can still remember that moment, that, that reviving, that cleansing that happened at that moment. What a wonderful, I mean, interaction we have with God. And, and yet, 
our interaction with others on this issue, they don't resemble that. You know, that, that, that moment and that, that end that we're looking for, for people to come to Christ. They don't, you know, our interactions, they, they seem foreign to that. Let, let me put it like this, maybe with an illustration. How many of you here love to get sales calls on your phone? Okay, yeah, oh yeah, you guys do. You, buy, you do a lot of purchasing <laughs> on the sales calls. I mean, you just love that your phone rings you know, I don't know what you're doing, but you got, you know, dig it out of your pocket, or you're driving, look at that, there's a number you don't recognize, and um, you answer it, and there's a long silence, dead, and you know what's coming. You know, finally somebody picks up, and you have dealt with this so many times that you already have a plan of what to say. You don't even know what they're selling. But you know you're going to try to, you know, maybe very politely say, no, thank you. You know, you don't care. You don't want to listen to it. Well, about 25 years ago, I got a phone call, a sales call from a magazine, Buckmaster Magazine, a hunting magazine. And the gentleman started, introduced himself, told me, you know, who he was. And he started by asking me how my hunting season was. How'd you do? You know, and I can't remember where he was even from. He was from another state. And he talked and shared about his season. Next thing you know, we're sharing stories and, and comparing things. And he really listened to me. He really, I knew, I knew it was, you know, he was working towards something, but he really listened. And I, we laughed, and, and, you know, I thought he was genuine, and, and then he came to the place to tell me what Buckmaster Magazine was and, and how it could help me with my hunting if I was interested. And, and sure enough, I ended, I ended up signing up for it. You know, there was something that, there was a, there was a joy there. It wasn't a, a sales pitch. It wasn't awkward. It wasn't something that, that, that felt was forced. You know, it's like, it's like it says in Colossians chapter 4, 5, and 6. This is a challenge to you as a Christian. It says, conduct yourself with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. That's a tremendous verse, and there's a lot in this verse. Let me break down some, some of the phrases that, that can help us. Number one, it talks about having wisdom towards outsiders. And we know the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is what you know. You know, it, it might be what I say. I, I give knowledge. Wisdom tells us how to say it. How can I best say something to someone so that they will receive it? that it's not offensive to them, that it doesn't close the door. You know, having wisdom towards outsiders recognizes that there's not a one-size-fits-all. And the goal isn't to get this formula or this package, you know, inserted in. We're not programming a computer here. It goes on, it says, making the most of opportunities. You know, it's talking about engaging actively, you know, in these interactions that we have. You know, using these interactions and, and getting, you know, the, the opportunities that these interactions give us. It says, know how to respond to each person. You know, I read that, and, and you know, it kind of insinuates that each person is different. I need to know how to respond here. Every single person is here. Here is different. You know, and so we need to know how to respond to one another, to a person you know, not just how I want to respond or how I want to be responded to, but if I'm talking to someone on for their benefit, I need to know how to respond to them. So it insinuates 
that each person is different. So you say, well, how can I know when I'm, you know, you know, unless it's somebody in your family or something, how do I know to respond to them? You know, how do I know the best way to speak to them? The answer is a m- much of what we're going to be looking at over the next weeks in the morning messages and then going deeper into the Bible study in the Sunday evenings. We're going to learn how to listen. We're going to learn how to watch. We're going to learn how to look. These parts of evangelism that have been so neglected in, in, in teaching personal evangelism, we're going to hone these skills once again. Um, go ahead, put this picture up for me. So, so, you, so you have a God space. You have a place where you probably normally shop. You, know, you may shop almost at the same time all, you know, every week there. Or you have certain, like if you go to an exercise place, you probably go at the same time, you bump into the same people, and, and over time you're getting to, new, uh, to meet them. And it's kind of like these people here. You know, all sorts of people here. And you look out there, and you look at all of these people. This is a common sight that we see every single day. Okay? Let me tell you something. I, I don't know. If I look at these people, and I walk into a supermarket or into, you know, a, a sports, a gym, whatever it is, I don't know if they've had any experience with the Bible or Christianity by looking at them like this. They're going about their daily business. I don't know if they were raised in a Christian home or if they were raised in an atheist home. I don't know if they have some perceived bad experiences with church or they've had no experience with church whatsoever. They could be devout Muslims or Jehovah Witnesses or Mormons. Well, until you can listen and be able to somewhat tell their story, you probably aren't ready to know how to respond to them. Because wouldn't those questions and many other questions be important for you to know if you're going to talk to them, whether it's a person at work that you, you, know, you bump and you see all the time, but your only, only interaction is really work with them, wouldn't some of these questions about you know, their experiences, you know, if they were in a Christian home, or do they know anything about church? Have they ever read the Bible? And you know, are they active any, in any other type of things? Wouldn't those be important to be able to, to, to know how to respond to them? Listening helps people open the door. Versus so often we have seen our personal evangelism and I'm looking up for an opportunity to kick the door open and, and tell you about God and tell you about Jesus Christ. And there's a big difference between somebody opening the door and inviting you in and, and us forcing ourselves. I want you to catch this, and this probably is the whole crux of what we're looking at for the next week. So I want to catch this, this quote here. In evangelism, the issue is not about where you stand. It's about where they stand. In evangelism, the issue is not about where you stand. That's, that's not what evangelism is about. It's about that person, where they stand, and whether or not they know Christ, whether they have the forgiveness of the sins, where their eternity is. You know where you stand, so that's not the issue to, to get out what I have. The issue is that other person and their need and where they are. But we, we've somehow lost this. In, in our evangelism, and this is what we're going to kind of challenge and re- reminding ourselves and drawing ourselves back to, that if, if, if you're seeking to bring someone to Christ, to talk to them about Christ, shouldn't you make an effort to find out where they are first? I mean, shouldn't you? Doug Pollack, uh, you know, the author of God's Space, it, it, it's about actively engaging those in your space 
to get to know them and to get to know their story. And once you know their story, to, to bring the gospel into their lives, to plant the seeds into their lives. And until you have listened and can tell them their story, you probably are not ready to share Christ with them. Now, obviously, this is speaking about people whom you have significant contact with. You know, every day, you know, four or five times a week, you know, you're with them at work or you're often with them in the gym or wherever it might be. You're, you know, you, you, you sit on the bench watching your kids play soccer or baseball or, or something together. It's not talking about someone that may, God may be prompting you to go speak to that you may never see them again and, you know, you have one, two minutes or whatever. You know, that's, that's totally different. We're talking about our Jerusalems. We're talking about our backyards. And folks, there's, there's real benefits of knowing a person's story. And, and again, I'm not telling you guys anything new here. But somehow we, we've, just, we've got off track, we've got off skewed in Christianity of, of what it means to, to be a witness and to be a testimony for him. But, but there's some real benefits of knowing a person's story. Um, number one, it shows you genuinely care about them, that you're, they're just not a project to you. You know, an assignment, I'm supposed to share my faith. But spending time to listen, spending time to, to talk to them shows you really do care about them. You're not just trying to get a job done. Second, listening to a person's story, and I've got to tell you, um, we're going to learn, it may take multiple contacts to listen to a person's story and, and follow up. And, you know, it, 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 it may be a slow process of getting people to open up and, and to be able to tell them their story. But listening to a person's story helps you create the questions and situations that might help that other person move past some barriers that they have in their lives. I mean, here, here's one that I get to often. You know, I'm you know, trying to talk to somebody about Christ, and they, they inevitably, someone tells me, a bad experience that they had at church or with a pastor, a bad experience. Or, or they say, you know, I've seen Christians in my life, and Christians are hypocrites. Well, knowing that is very important to be able to share your faith with them, that, that where they are, it's about them. And so just listening to their story and, and finding out where that all is, I mean, then, you know, begin to, to approach them where they're at. I mean, in that kind of situation, you might want to say, you know, hey, Bill, you mentioned last week when we were talking that, you know, that you've seen Christians and you've seen them in situations that they're very hypocritical about what they claim and morality or what it might be. You know, I, I've thought a lot about that. And what do you think God, that, how that God makes, makes God feel when he sees those who claim to be Christians, you know, acting like that? I mean, some of you are engaging them from where they're at, and you've, you've been able to think about them and generally say, hey, you know, let's, let's engage. What does God say about this? You know, how does he feel it? And, and again, doors begin to, to get opened in speaking to a person. While I was down talking to Doug Pollack, uh, again, he gave me some great examples of this, but he, he, he told a story. He was out, uh, I can't remember, with a couple other guys. They were in a restaurant, and the waitress came over, and the waitress is just covered in tattoos, you know, one of them from all the way up, all into her neck, all the way down the other side. Everywhere you could see had tattoos. Now, there is a lot of wide range of our initial response to that as Christians. And, you know, sometimes we can look at them, we can become very judgmental of something like that. Or, at the very least, we look at them and we have these preconceived assumptions 
about what kind of led them to make decisions like that. This is what Doug did. He was just trying to give me some examples of, of, of just changing our thoughts. He said to this waitress, he said, you have a lot of tattoos. He says, which one of those is your favorite? Which one of those tattoos is the most meaningful to you? And he said she just stopped, and she said, well, the small one on her wrist. And he looked at it, and he said, well, why is that so meaningful to you? And she opened up about a time in her life of a real darkness that she had and how that tattoo was a reminder when, when she came through that darkness. Now think of this. It, isn't that, wouldn't that be valuable knowledge for us to know if I'm going to be trying to share Christ with a person and I'm going to try to talk to them about a God of grace and a God of mercy and a God of forgiveness, to know that that person has had a time in their life that they've commemorated because it was, you know, I mean, it was so impactful about that, their lives. Wouldn't that be important for you me to know if I'm going to be speaking to them about God, a God who loves them and wants to have a relationship with them? And see, I think that's why, you know, the, the, the book, The God Space, and Doug's kind of reminders that he gives us there, I think it, it resonated with so many of us because this is not new truth. We know these things, you know, but it's a reminder to us of how the gospel speaks to us at every single junction of our life. It doesn't require to share Christ. It doesn't require a person to be at a certain point that you're talking to. They got to be there, and, or I'm just going to share them at that point where they're there or, or they're not. It doesn't require that. The simple truth is there is one gospel. There is one saving message. There is one God. There is, is one Savior. But people open their lives to hear that message for many, many different reasons. Somebody might, you know, be in tremendous pain and suffering that they're going through, maybe going through a hardship in their life. People might be under conviction of, of sin and, and where their life is going. It may be people that just in just a general lostness or heavy-heartedness, whatever it might be, Maybe just some major changes in their lives that, that are opportunities to plant the gospel in those circumstances, in those situations that is non-threatening to them. And it's just something natural and, 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 and it kind of flows. And we need, to, we need to genuinely care enough about a person to take the time needed to understand where they're at, what they're going through, what kind of got them to this point that God has them there, you know, in your life. And this week and then over the next five Sundays, we're going to look at encounters that Jesus Christ had with people while he was here on this earth. And Doug and I had a wonderful time talking about these things. And uh, when we, I walked away from there, I said, that's what I'm going to be preaching on during this time, about how different Jesus Christ dealt with people based on where they were at. Now, obviously, Jesus, you know, could see their hearts, knew what their pasts were, and all of those sorts of things, so, you know, kind of dealt with that. But, but to see how he took that information and where that person was at, and then he began to speak to them about himself and who he was and, and about their needs. And so that's what we're going to look at in the morning message. We're going to be preaching on that. And then at the same time, I want to invite you to come to the Sunday evening Bible study. It's from 6 until 
You know, it's called Activating God's Space. The book that you've been given is called God's Space, and it speaks about what your God's Space is. But we're going to be talking about activating that, how to, how to use those places to be purposeful in developing those relationships to be able to share Christ. Once again, we're meeting in the fellowship hall. Um, it is a different type of a Bible study, and I actually didn't know that until I started watching the DVD and going through the workbook myself, and I realized that it, it's not necessarily set to be in a home Bible study, you know, where you have just eight or ten, that the smaller you have, it's better. Um, this is actually set that it could have, you know, he said eight to eight, you know, 80 people involved in it because there's going to be times that we're going to be breaking down in small groups and we're going to be going over stuff and discussing stuff. You need to be at a table and all that. That's why we decided to have it in the fellowship hall and we decided to do it all together. Uh, but I encourage you, you know, if you're going to be there, if you didn't sign up, just at least let me know you're going to come, particularly if you need child care uh, for tonight. Um, you know, we'll make sure that is there for you. All right, we're going to end today with some eternal truths from God's word and a few points about sharing our faith that are, again, came out from my discussion with Doug Pollack. Um, I want to I I call your attention to a very familiar uh, portion of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, if you remember there, Paul is addressing the Corinthians about their habit of taking so much pride in who they accepted Christ through, who it was that led them to the Lord. It says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 4 and 5, he says, For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. Now, in our context today, that would be like people saying, well, I came to know Christ through Billy Graham. You know, one of his crusades or someone says, well, I was at a conference with John MacArthur or Chuck Swindoll, and, and that's when I gave my life to Christ, or I was reading one of his books or listening to one of their podcasts. I mean, that kind of be a similar thing of what they were doing, you know, taking pride in, you know, the, 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 the spiritual leader that led them to the Lord. Well, Paul reminds them and us what the true source of the power of salvation is. In verse 5, he says, and when... What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. They're just the messengers. They're not the message. They didn't make the message. They were just the vessels from which God opened up that opportunity for them to be able to speak to you. You know, think of it like this. Imagine for a second if, if somebody... You know, today we had the cure for cancer. And by just taking one shot, when you have cancer, by taking one shot, whatever kind of cancer it is, you take that one shot and you would be cured of your cancer. That would be a wonderful thing. But just imagine if, if that could happen. Would you go into the hospital and you would get that shot and walk away saying, my, what a wonderful needle that was. I just love that shot. My, my shot was better than your shot. My needle was sharper than your needle. You know, it, it was better than, you know, your circumstance. I mean, Paul goes on, he says in verse 6 there, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. And when true salvation takes place, it is a supernatural event. 
It is not something that is dependent upon man, upon their words, upon my ability, upon your ability. It is dependent upon God. It is a supernatural event. It is not something I can convince a person of. It's not something that I can convict a person of. It is is a work that God can do. I'm a needle. I'm a syringe, folks. You're a syringe. It is God who brings redemption and atonement and forgiveness. It is God who gives a new identity, changes a life, gives us the Holy Spirit to live within us, changes eternity for a person. It's God that does that. Verse 7, it goes on and says, So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God causes, but God who causes the growth. Now we need to understand here, this is a, this is a contrast in extremes here. You know, he's not saying you guys are worthless, you're not worth anything. He's not, he's not saying that at all. What's he doing? It's a contrast in extremes. That compared to what God does in the salvation process and what you and I do you know, in, in telling other peoples about that, there's a pretty big gap between what God does and what we are asked to do. I mean, God asked me to know the truth. God asked me to give of my time to care about someone and to invest in that person and care enough to share the truth with them. But folks, God does not ask me to die for their sins. God doesn't ask me to give my life as a payment for their debt. He doesn't ask me to take their sin upon myself. He doesn't ask that. God, Jesus, is more invested than you and I will ever be in the salvation process. And this, folks, this is good news. You know, this verse isn't somehow a put-down, you know, to Paul and Apollos and the work that they were doing. This is great news. It's great news for us because if you feel that you are not adequate to be able to share your faith, Folks, God doesn't need much. He doesn't need much. He needs your willingness, your genuineness, your openness, things that that you have, that you can give him. He doesn't need much because the work is his. Redemption is his. You know, atonement is his. It's not yours or mine. You know, the work is in him. So he doesn't need a lot. You don't have to be, you know, reach this, you know, certain level of, of education spiritually. You know, God doesn't need that much. You're worried about not saying the right thing? Salvation isn't a work of the head, it's a work of the heart. And that's where God is working. As his word is given, that word is penetrating into a person's heart. And that's where any, anything that happens of any significance is happening in that person's inner being, in his soul, in his spirit. You know, not necessarily in his head, you know, obviously that plays a part. They've got to know, they've got to understand, and all those sorts of things. But, but a person's salvation is not dependent upon me. Matter of fact, you and I, we have very little part, a part in it. God has done the work, and God is the one who is at work. They are more desiring that that person at work next to you comes to know him than you are. That family member that you love and you care so much about, that you, you weep over their salvation, God has more invested in it than you and I ever and that is tremendous news to you and I, that it's not dependent upon us. And over the next weeks, we're going we're gonna to be challenged in many areas of our witness and our testimony. Um, some of the things we're going to be challenged in, one is, is patience. And, and as I talked to Doug, he really wanted to encourage this. You know, witnessing for Christ is a process. You know, sometimes 
you know, we're planting a seed. Sometimes we're just watering a seed. Sometimes we're, you know, kind of cultivating the soil. You know, sometimes, like a farmer, you know, part of farming is just removing rocks or, you know, loosening the hard dirt or, pu- or pulling weeds. Sometimes that's all we're doing. And, and that's how far we, we get in the process. But just be patient. God is in this. We need to learn to celebrate each part. And this is one of the big things of the takeaway of talking to Doug when he spoke here, is that, that we forget, you know, to celebrate the planting. We forget to celebrate the watering. You know, it's, it's like we want to rush into a, a field full of weeds and rocks and grab the harvest. And it, it's not like that. And we need to, you know, our part in this is to plant and, and to water. And we need to learn to celebrate those things, those opportunities that God had to move our relationships forward. Um, you know, we need to learn to listen versus, you know, kicking that door down. Um, when I met with Doug, uh, we talked about the need to be patient as well with ourselves. You know, learning to listen is an art. Uh, he said, you know, for him it was, it was almost like, you know, likening it to learning how to swim. You know, maybe, you know, for some of us, you know, it's, it was a long, long time ago we learned how to swim, but, you know, you remember they put you in there and they just start by, you know, putting your face in the water for a second and then bringing it back up, you know, and then maybe you, you float or, you know, or, or, or and, and you don't move and, and then just slowly you get moving. And so, you know, to be patient, you know, um, it's about celebrating those, those victories along the way of how God is going to use you. So we need to learn to be patient, but also we're going to learn to be purposeful and intentional. Okay, purposeful and intentional, to be able to identify pools in your life in which you can swim. You know, this is a place where God has you to swim. Maybe it's a golf league or, your, you know, kids' soccer when you're standing on the sidelines at practice or at games, you know, community choir, 4-H, scouts, whatever it is. And, and, or even the challenge, um, and, and he kind of had a unique situation, kind of often what pastors do. Um, I don't necessarily have a natural interaction with many unsaved people. He said he didn't either. And so he actually uh, started into a sports league, uh, a golf league, so he could start getting contact and begin to, you know, practice what he was, you know, preaching, to develop these relationships, to tell other people about Jesus Christ. You know, places you have these ongoing relationships. It's all about, if you remember his illustration, about moving the football forward in that person's life. And you're going to be part of that, and God can use you. The third thing, we need to be patient, we need to be purposeful. And second, if you are serious about this, you probably need to find some accountability. A place where you can share and be engaged. You know, if you're looking at your life and you say, you know, I, I want this to become just so natural and part of me, you probably need to uh, have some accountability. And in part, this is what the Sunday evening Bible study is going to be. You know, as we're going to be challenging each other, spending part of our times you know, talking about the interactions that we had in this past week and, you know, celebrating the victories that we have and encouraging each other. Um, I mean, if you don't have accountability, someone to ask how you're doing, how'd you do this past week, and if, if you didn't do anything, you know, to kind of encourage you to move forward, if you don't have that, it, it's just probably going to be another good idea that falls by the wayside. We need patience, we need purposefulness, and, and we need accountability to help us whenever we're changing. So tonight... We are going to begin at 6 o'clock. I invite you all to this. If you do come, uh, bring your God Space book. If you don't have one of those, we have some extras. If we have, you know, 
We have others. You don't necessarily need it for tonight's lesson, but you're going to want to read the book along with us um, as we're going to it. So we'll get the books if, if there's more needed tonight. But I encourage you to come. Um, the Sunday messages are going to be coupled with the Bible studies for the next six weeks. So if you have any questions about this at all, um, I mean, this is important for us. I'm excited about this for us as a church. Um, I encourage you to see me if you have any questions. We will do whatever we can uh, to make it possible for you to be here at the Bible study and here in our morning messages as well. All right, let's pray together. Our worship team, as they come forward, let's, I'll close this in a word of prayer. Father God, I so thank you, you know, for, for this journey that you have led us to. And I'm, I'm confessing, God, you know, I need this. It's easy to, to, to get off track. And I, I, I want to be Christ to people around me like you were Christ to them. They're saviors, the ones that have the truth. And so we're going to just open our heart to you, Lord. We're going to ask you to work here in the Sunday morning and in the Sunday evening and throughout our week. And, you know, again, our, our goal, Father, is to be different at the end of the six weeks for you. So we give ourselves to your Holy Spirit to work within us. Thank you, Lord. In thy name.